You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. You know, Mark, part of me thought we would return with maybe an owl sound, maybe a hurricane, oh. maybe an Aztec sound, although I don't really know what where what you did for that one. Who, who is got this three fellow hours. you're talking to, We've Kevin? got three hours. Don't worry. Oh, hi. I'm I'm the producer here. What's maybe maybe a husky. Although the husky was the husky the same as a bulldog. Did we, didn't we have some? No, issues? no, you know, no. I'll bring them all. back. When I worked worry. at Channel Six, there was a guy that gave us. I would pay a lot of money for this today. There was a guy from Hamilton Heights High School that was in a band that wrote a song called "Where the Huskies Roam," and gave us a CD and one a day first night to play it on the show each night. And uh, we shocked that, that never took off. <laughs> we could. You mean because of the song or because it was Channel 6? <laughs> I'll go with the former or the latter. Maybe we could take off air. But, uh, yeah, the Yukon Huskies, they are the one vet of the group here as the final four. You what ask is, and I receive. Uh, that's what, a husky. That's a husky howling. No, no, was that, that was, a wounded husky? No, that was that was a guy named Bill that just got done playing in a softball league. He had a foot-long bratwurst. <laughs> Yukon has not sounded like a wounded husky at all through the tournament they are the one team that will bring final four experience with them to houston good monday morning to you it is a rainy start to this week after yesterday qualifies as the day of the year right weather-wise here in indy um say that one more time yesterday is the day of the year right beautiful weather-wise perfect you know it's just perfect and uh, it was a good weekend overall uh but yesterday in particular maybe not necessarily weather-wise but it's just there's just something about it, right? The Elite Eight and knowing that teams are going to the Final Four and watching some of the finishes and um, going out and having dinner and, and a beer or a Coke or whatever. And I was at Broderpool Tavern on Friday night as part of our Jack Daniels Papa Shot competition. People getting some good competition in that, by the way. It was fun. Papa Shot ramps it up a little bit, doesn't uh, it? Thursday night will be the finals of that. And yesterday, yeah, it was beautiful. I just... I love so much, Kevin, this time of year because it awakens in me. I talk a lot about just the nostalgia of like a magic of we've made it out of the woods. We're at the end of the tunnel in terms of winter heading into spring, um, knowing what's coming in, in terms of great weather It's and, and the tournament. The tournament's just such a big part of it. And a huge part of the tournament, obviously, is the story of Florida Atlantic. Ken Lavica, their play-by-play guy, is going to join us coming up at 8.30 today. A kind of a wild story amidst Florida Atlantic's beautiful owl sound. Much different than the Husky, I thought, there. Um the story of Florida Atlantic, well-documented, of course, and a lot of Indiana ties, but late in that game on Saturday night, Jake, from Madison Square Garden, Ken Lavica, who has been the only play-by-play person for Florida Atlantic over the last 17 years, the internet goes out on press row with, like, I actually think it was less than a minute ago. He's scrambling. He has no idea what to do. The guy next to him hands him an ethernet cord from the row behind them, and the guy decides to be helpful and holds up his Comrex. So he's holding the Comrex for Ken. Ken is able to make the call. We'll play that call a little bit later that sends Florida Atlantic to the Final Four. And I think if there's anybody, and maybe it has a little Butler feel to it from a decade ago, Jake, but that would qualify, I think, as Cinderella. And it also, that story typifies March in general, right? Like, you don't think of... And I know that this has nothing to do with it, and I mean it is no disrespect to him. But you don't think of like 
patch meal coming together with like people holding something up in the air with tinfoil wrapped around it so they can get reset. You know, that doesn't happen to Kentucky. Right. I mean, he's Cinderella. It IU is sending correct. an engineer on site. They they have a color person correct. with them. Purdue the same way. Uh, so, yeah, I actually think it does kind of exemplify the Florida Atlantic run. So coming up on Saturday night again, Florida Atlantic and San Diego State. That will lead us off from Houston. And then the final game will be Miami against UConn. Uh, it was it was a good weekend of basketball. There were not, you know, Connecticut. To your point, Kevin, I looked this up yesterday. You know the the record for a six game, the record for margin of victory in a six game NCAA tournament win is, I believe, Kentucky in 1996. You know, it's been almost 30 years, right? And Connecticut right now is on pace to surpass that. Now, Indiana won by an average margin of 24.5 points per game in 81, but that was only five games. Of teams that have had to go six games or more, which would be 85 and forward, um, Connecticut's on a pace that is as blistering as any we've seen. Now, what's interesting to me, Kevin, is a lot of times you will see a team, and we've seen this in the past, that just blitzes through the regional. Then they take the four days off before the Final Four and – the, the break dust hits and they kind of fall back down to earth. I don't know that that's going to happen with Connecticut, but it'll be interesting to see because Miami in its own right is a team that, you know, obviously we saw incredibly resilient yesterday. You, you can't count them out. And then the other side of it, I mean, the fact that either San Diego State or Florida Atlantic is going to be in the national title game. It kind of feels like that Texas Tech team, right? With Chris Beard, where you're just like, wait, what, really? Yeah, you know, I think, obviously, the, the biggest storyline from the Final Four is you don't have a one, two, or three seed. You know, we all can look at a bracket and see that. I would say I'm reminded of this every year, Jake, but it always amazes me when we get to this point of the tournament and you think back to how these teams began the tournament. Because, yes, UConn has been the dominant, the best team, however you want to classify it. Um, it's one of the more impressive regional runs frankly, in tournament history with what UConn has done so far. But, Jake, there's Florida Atlantic down one with three seconds to go in their opener. Should have lost, frankly, to Memphis. They got a very fortunate call late in that game that Memphis was on the ground singling for a timeout. They call a jump ball. Florida Atlantic gets the ball. Boom. They make a shot three seconds to go, win the game. How about Drake up eight with five to go against Miami? I mean, San Diego State yesterday, down seven in the second half. Miami, down 13 in the second half to Texas. It is such a survive and advance tournament. Like, when you think of about the Butler run, and in particular, I guess, the second of the two runs, I mean, Old Dominion and Butler in round one, Butler easily could have lost that game. Easily could have lost the second round game to Pittsburgh. But yet, when you kind of talk about them, you know, five, ten years down the road, that's not what you lead off with. You lead off with exactly you know where they finished or how deep that run went. So again, it's probably an annual thought that I have, but I was thinking back on that Saturday night with Florida Atlantic, how close they were to not even getting out of round one. Miami, again, down to Drake late in that game, uh, you know, right before Indiana took the floor against Kent State. You know, for long stretches of that game, you're thinking, okay, if Indiana wins, they're gonna take on Drake in the second round and not take on um the Miami Hurricanes. So, um, but yeah, just uh, obviously beyond unpredictable and in Here the we second are. round. What the world?
What, what, what are we doing there? Shaking off the vacation cobwebs. Do you want to go back on vacation? Oh, can I? <laughs> I can we didn't I can. have those issues with hey, Sam Fritz. Yeah, I know. Right. You were Sam taking your fine. shirt off on yeah. Thursday. I know. I saw well, the was, issues. You know, every there March... There plenty of issues. Every so March, two things here, happen. Again. Two things happen every March. Number one, uh, Mark leaves us. And then the other one, there's always a player that people who have followed that team during the course of the season know about that becomes an introduction to the rest of the sports world. And people are like, whoa. And quite frankly, I don't know in the men's game that there's anybody who has done it to the point of Caitlin Clark of Iowa. Oh boy, you see her stat line last 41 night? point triple double to lead the Hawkeyes into the women's final four. I mean Yeah, 41, 12, and 10 for her last night. Have have like Steph Curry comparisons been made? I mean, over the fact that like she can oh, just I think a lot, yeah. shoot and score from anywhere. Yeah, I think a lot of people have reference that yeah iowa right now and lsu those are that's half the final four uh, we still don't have a one seed yet in the women's final four south carolina of course is the heavy heavy favorite they could go there tonight they take on maryland it's virginia tech and ohio state in the other one um i did see chris asked this about the highest total of seeds in the final four this is the second highest so it's 23 combined Ironically enough, the highest was in 2011 with Butler, and that was also in Houston. Yeah, that was uh, – wasn't there also – if I remember correctly, there was a year – was Wichita State one of them? Well, now, what was the one – was it with Butler? The Butler one was Butler. Uh, VCU was VCU, an 11. That's, I, that's right. I knew there was an 11 in there. Butler-VCU played in that semifinal. Then the other one was Kentucky and UConn uh, in that one. So I think this is just three – Lower. This is 23. That one was 26. Uh, how was your weekend overall, Kevin? It was great. I mean, again, I, when you can have weather like yesterday, it's a dream. The zoo was packed. Bowen family was there. Um, yeah, great time to get out. And like you said, it could enjoy a patio beer in the afternoon. And a r- really nice day yesterday. I was beyond, beyond thrilled. Um, Mark, we survived Disney. We did. We did. Girls had a great Talk time. Talk about survive in advance. That's not just Florida Atlantic in round one. Got a jalapeno pretzel. I was good to go. So that's how that works. Jalapeno rolls. pretzel. Yep. It's a pretzel with jalapeno cheese like melted inside of it. It's Boy. delightful. Boy, I hope so. It's the must get when you go to Disney. Disney West, At least for Restroom me. line let me, let wasn't, me guess, wasn't too let me long. Guess. $11. No. $7.49. Look at that. That's a steal in how Disney. Many, here's, the better, here's the better question. So you drove to florida so that means that you go down did you go down through chattanooga and then over through atlanta correct okay how many buckies are there on the way down i believe there's three and how many did you pass two you only made one stop no it's two <laughs> so you only passed well, one. because they're like hundreds of miles apart from each other so at that point like anybody gotta go to the bathroom yeah all right pull over well, the problem the was best restrooms Mark's in the world. Like, yeah, I think I'm feeling something. I got to go again. Yeah. They do have the best restrooms in the world, but the, but there's no way to just run in and use the restroom and run out, right? No, no, because then you're like, ah, I better get another coffee. Oh, you want this sugary snack? Okay, oh, Bucky Nuggets. Yeah, that's a good idea too. Go do that. Thank oh, you. Oh, look the at nuggets, this T-shirt here. Hey, who wants some brisket? Yeah, it's all that, all that stuff. Brisket. Yeah. Let's get the girls. Kevin, when you go, you'll you'll feel the hype. <laughs> Thank you for the nuggets, by the way. You're welcome. Uh, by the way, good morning to everybody. It is a Monday. This is Kevin and Query on 93.5-1075. The fan Mark Dykton is back in the saddle. Kevin Bowen, the other voice you hear. My name is Jake Query. And plenty to talk about over the course of the morning because obviously the NCAA tournament um, will be amongst 
the topic of conversations, would like to say to the following, Raphael still, uh, actually Raphael has, has clinched with Princeton as the only, that's the furthest advancing double-digit seed was Princeton. So Raphael has won that. We're talking about a $50 gift card, by the way, to Jay's Lobster and Fish Market in the Garage Food Hall in the Bottle Works District in downtown Indy, one of Indianapolis Monthly's best restaurants, specializing in lobster rolls and also serving up crab and shrimp rolls, a New England-style seafood shack, bringing the taste of the East Coast right here to Indiana. Raphael will be able to enjoy exactly that. Having Princeton, Scotty is still in the mix for biggest blowout loser, UNC Asheville, 33 points. I thought it was in jeopardy for a second there. Um, for a while, I thought Gonzaga was going to lose by 35, 40. What, what was it? It was kind of close I think it ended 30. up being 28 or 29, right? But it was close. Late in the game, I'm thinking, whoa, wait a minute. Can you imagine having Gonzaga and turning out that you get the – you get that prize, but Scotty's still in the mix. There are still obviously three games left. Uh, Florida Atlantic, Daryl, UConn, Paul, San Diego State, Tom. There's one other school. Who am I missing? Uh, Miami, Dave. You guys all still in the mix for our prizes. And let's and throw Trevor's game. name on that list as well. He is leading our bracket pool, and he has got UConn right now. It's Trevor. Tied for first, but Trevor, of course, with UConn, still is able to... Okay. Earn some points, and if UConn is able to win, I just just one game. Um, Trevor will take home a fifty dollars. We gift did ninety nine point seven percentile. Great work there. We did a pool aside from the Kevin and Query one with a bunch of high school friends. Only three people had a team in the final four. Three people in my pool and my 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 friend pool had Connecticut in the final four. And of those three, none of them picked Connecticut into the championship game. So, like our our bracket's done. Really, there's no more. There are no more points to be had. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm hanging by a thread. I got UConn in the title game. Do you think we had anybody in the Kevin and Corey pool that had more than one Final Four team? We'd have to look. I, decent amount of well, I shouldn't say decent amount, but it looked like there was probably about a dozen people that have UConn. UConn was a really good pick. At all. I mean, you were the one, Kevin. I remember right before the tournament, like. I might have been on Selection Sunday, but you said you're like, look, Connecticut's like those guys. I like Connecticut. I like the way they play, and I'd only seen them play once or twice. But man, they look unbelievable. Yeah, and obviously they have a tremendous big guy, but they surround him with great skill. Um, the most outstanding player of their region, Andre Hawkins, is a guy that I feel like, boy, or uh, excuse me, Jordan Hawkins is a guy that you know the Pacers, depending on where they fall in the lottery, would be looking at. Um, and how about the most outstanding player? You get Nigel Pack in Miami's region, and then Marquise Noel becomes the first loser, losing team, most outstanding player since Carson Edwards back in 2019. Uh, what do you think, Creighton, San Diego State? You, you, you like the foul call there or no? I think there's a lot of truth. I think this is a really good way to summarize it, and, and it's kind of hedging a little bit. I did think it was a foul. I also think that needs to be that that line in the sand probably does need to be clarified over the course of the game and the way the game is played. I don't know that that would have been called with 7 minutes to go in the game. But I thought it was a clear foul because 
I did feel like Nimhard not only had his hand on his side, but and it's probably power of suggestion, but the appearance was there that he did alter the trajectory of the shooter. And to me, that's a foul. Yeah, I'm going to go with no. Um, and I guess you were kind of hitting at that at the start, Jake. You know, I'm a big believer in like the officiating crew early in a the game. They decide how the game's going to be called. And then if you're a coach, all you ask for is consistency throughout the game. And if you look at the game, it was really one of the least whistled games all year long. Um, those two teams, Creighton and San Diego State, they combine for 34 foul attempts at a game if you put their season-long numbers. Yesterday, they combined for 17. So that's half that number. So what you're saying with that is, all right, we're going to let these teams play. And if you watch the game, I mean, again, very low foul count, very low free throw attempt count. And so if you've set the tone for the first 39 minutes of we're going to keep whistles to a minimum, we are not going to call, you know, I think plays that could go both ways in that moment, um, I think you just swallow that whistle and you continue to move into overtime there. Again, based off how that game was called. Did Nemhard get beat on the play? Certainly. But the fact that I mean Creighton, I think, averages like 16, 17 foul shots a game, barely got over 10. San Diego State averaged 18 foul shots a game, had six for the entire game. Um, there was only 22 fouls. I mean, in today's college basketball, that is a very, very low number. Um, especially when you got a team like San Diego State that is extremely physical We there. should get Bo Borowski on the show this week. He did the Final Four last year, right? I think he, didn't he do like a couple straight Final Fours before yeah. hanging it up? Uh, the other big news this week, it will be out in Arizona on the NFL front. NFL owners meetings actually began last night, so we should hear from Jim Irsay um, at some point early this week. I know a few of our colleagues are out there. Um, also, Chris Boward and Shane Steichen will chat, and, and you know, in particular, I think it'll be interesting to hear from Ursay and just hear him publicly um, if he has any comments about what this 2023 outlook is going to be for the Colts. Two weeks from today, they will begin their off-season programs. That'll be Shane Steichen's first time having players in the building on a you know teaching, coaching type basis. Uh, but that'll be something to chat about throughout the week. And then the Pacers. we got two weeks left in the regular season. Basically, uh, not to get too graphic, but I think you kind of started to hammer the old nail in the playoff coffin with losses to the Celtics and the Hawks back-to-back over the weekend. I did find it pretty interesting, Jake, that you know nine games to go in the season, and for the first time all year, we've seen Benedict Matherin in the starting lineup with Tyrese Halliburton. That to me is a bit of a sign of all right. Turning uh, the page the a little white bit. Flag is being thrown up here. Yeah. Buddy healed to the bench. Um, didn't go well. I mean, honestly, for for Mather, and he had very very quiet games uh, in both of those. But the Pacers now three and a half back with seven to go for the final playing spot. Three games at home this week, right? Yeah, I think five of their final seven are at home. So yeah, tonight against the Mavs, and boy. I- Jake, can you imagine your one time to see Luke all year and he gets teed up yesterday and he's out for tonight? Good news for Indiana, except for that, to your point, I don't know that they're necessarily looking at it that way anymore, right? Yeah, I'd love to meet the Pacers fans that are, yeah, Luke is out tonight. Here we go. Big chance to get a win versus the... Does Luke have the same... He's not a caramel pup guy, right? 
Uh, I think he's I think he's in the top five of Carmel Pup guys. Ooh. Okay, the, the, your top five Carmel Pup players, and for those that don't know, what we mean by that is the one that that brings out the nine to twelve year old kids that have on the jersey of the opposing player because you know Steph Curry's one, right? Yeah, John Steph are clearly above everybody. Okay, else. Um, Zion. Yeah, I guess it kind of depends. Like, you know, are the kids looking more for like highlight or more kids they could somewhat imitate? They can imitate Luca. You can't really imitate Zion or Giannis. Yeah, they or, can imitate or, Steph, right? Or LeBron. Um, but I, again, you know, when you get these Western teams and they only come into your building one year, and didn't Luca? Am I imagining things, Jake? Didn't he get ejected one time at Cambridge Fieldhouse too? I think that's right. He's got kind of a weird. Oh, he. Oh, he's such a complainer. Yeah, he is. Yeah, his 16th technical of the year. The Mavericks are in disarray. They made the trade for Kyrie. They're 8-13 and 13 since that trade. They are a game out of the play-in and picture right now. Mac Ingle was telling me, who's the writer for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram that I grew up with, Mac Ingle told me that uh, Luka Doncic was the one that pushed for that trade. Oh boy. It's like, look, we got a chance to get Kyrie Irving. You got to get him. Okay. Really worked out well for him. The The Western Conference is wild here as you enter the final two weeks in terms of how jumbled it is for teams, you know, the four, five, six seeds, and you get in the play-in, and you've got teams trying to tank that are finding themselves in the play-in as well. The other thing to note with the Pacers this week is Wednesday they take on the Bucks at home. Milwaukee right now is kind of neck and neck for that number one seed. They have, I think it's a game and a half lead over Boston. They play Boston on Thursday. I don't think Giannis has ever been a frequent like rest load management guy, but that probably should be noted that again, Pacers Bucks Wednesday. Milwaukee doesn't have a back to back leading into it, but they do have a back to back on the back side of it. And that is with Boston, who currently is number two right now in the Eastern Conference standings. So um I don't know, just maybe a little bit of warning to Pacers fans out there if you are all in on seeing Giannis Wednesday night. Again, they're still in the mix for that number one seed. They have a one game. I think it's a one and a half game lead over Boston. Um, but if they're thinking, hey, we can sit Giannis, potentially still beat the Pacers, and have him rested for Thursday night with the Celtics, that'll be something to keep an eye on. Do you, by the way, oh, did you see the reports, Kevin? I'm surprised you haven't mentioned it yet that, like, there was a plane or, and I'm not mocking it. I, Apparently, somebody from the Colts, or there was a Colts plane or something in Baltimore for like three days, and everybody's all excited about it? Uh, I'm not aware of any. Supposedly, either the Ursae plane or the Colts plane was in Baltimore. Uh, uh, to do what? To, to to talk to who? Well, well, people are like, he's there to talk to Lamar, and it's like, Lamar Jackson's in Florida, isn't he? Yeah, I don't think Lamar Jackson is He's not hanging around the complex, the Towson right? area. Right. Yeah. And then, well, no, no, he's there to talk to... He's there to talk to the Ravens about getting Lamar. And I'm like, I think you can do that on Zoom, right? Well, why would you need to talk to the Ravens? Right. Well, if you trade for him. I'm telling I'm giving you the... Well, the trade's just two first-round picks. I'm, I'm giving you the message board chatters here. Gotcha. No, I, uh, I have not heard that, nor do I think there's much validity to it at all. Yeah, I think with the pro days, I'd... Who knows, you know, how, how guys grade out. I'm I'm gonna maintain, Kevin, if we were to do this like we did the way that you got your PBR and the coaching sweepstakes, I am gonna maintain that the Colts are going to 
continue to take a hard look at Will Levis. Yeah, I think you know he. I could see like a slight favorite over Anthony Richardson. Um, we'll see how that continues to play out. I mean, we're we're a month a month from today, right? April twenty seventh. Yeah, and then the, I mean, you've obviously got the Hendon Hooker storyline as well. And that is round one of the draft, April twenty seventh. Pro days for this week. You will have both of those two, Richardson and Hendon Hooker, later this week. You had Will Levis on Friday. Uh, I know we had Zach Kiefer on last week to talk about the C.J. Stroud Pro Day. Nate Atkins from the Indianapolis Stars kind of made the Pro Day rounds as well, so we'll uh, we'll chat with him later in the week uh, to get his thoughts on what he witnessed. But yeah, out in Arizona, owners meeting. So you're going to see some news trickle out throughout today. You know, rule changes, things like that. Roger Goodell contract extension, if anybody cares. Probably oh, not. he's getting like, aren't they giving him like half of Fort Knox? I mean, I, I, I would think he definitely gets extended, right? Don't they have to be thrilled with him? I would think. Given his annual salary, it seems that way. I mean, you but haven't I mean, had labor stoppages. You're you're signed through what? I think the new labor agreement's through 2030. You're in the L.A. market with two teams. You continue you, to grow globally. There's no question. I mean, and you, you could thrilled. You could say what you want about the fact that Roger Goodell was also in charge when this took place. But I think it's fairly indisputable that five or six years ago there was a dip in NFL interest and a slight NFL fatigue and that that has been erased and moved forward from. And I think the NFL interest level and the year-round marketing of the NFL has been as strong as it's ever been. Um, Before we get to... Boca Raton and the Florida Atlantic Owls. Two two real quick house cleaning items. Number one, the Spurs, you were asking about that, Kevin. I was giving you the answer as to where the Alamo Dome was in comparison to the Riverwalk. I forgot. The Spurs have a new arena, which is like further outside of town. Uh, so you definitely would need an Uber Man, if you're doing that. That's kind of a bummer, that. too. And I, I should have been more clear. I apologize. I, I wasn't saying that Flory Badunga is part of that exact same AHOPE program that were Hunter Perea and Peter Jerkin, but I believe it is a similar type of facilitation that has brought him to Kokomo. And my understanding is that um, that family that has brought him is very plugged in with Cincinnati. And again, I don't know if it's slam dunk by any means. The fact that that many coaches are willing to show up totally on a no, Thursday in his junior or on a late in his junior year, you'd think to think. You would seem to think they believe it's pretty wide right. open for his recruitment here moving into the AAU season. All right, you guys heard us play this earlier. Ken Lavica, play-by-play voice of the Florida Atlantic Owls, is with us right now. For those that missed it, it was a hell of a final 30 seconds for him inside of Madison Square Garden on Saturday night. Uh, once he got back on air, the call sounded like this. For a session, for a second, good as well. Kansas State doesn't have any timeouts. The inbound from Sills. Here comes Noel up the near side, left front court. Three seconds now, two. Noel throws in Masood. High right. It's stepped away by Davis. He stole it. Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic is going to the Final Four. One of the most improbable stories in college basketball history has just played out in New York City. Houston, you have a problem. Florida Atlantic is coming to town looking for a trophy. Florida Atlantic 79, Kansas State 76. FAU is going to the Final Four. Ken, I'm sure hearing that is not going to get old anytime soon, is it? 
It is pretty amazing that this program, from where it was pre-Dusty May to where it is now in year five of Dusty May, is going to the the uh, the final four. And uh, yeah, it it is. I'm usually not a big uh, want to listen to myself back over and over again, but uh, I got to say it's a cool moment, and just the fact that I'll play it out of Madison Square Garden, it doesn't get much better than that. Can you let, again, Ken Levicka's with us, FAU play-by-play and color voice. He's been in that role for 17 years. He's with us here on this Monday morning. Uh, we've been telling the story a little bit, but want to hear it from you. Explain what happened to you from an internet connection standpoint in the final 30 seconds. Yeah, and I want to preface this with it is entirely silly that uh, I and my plight has become uh, one of the stories of of this FAU run, but the fact that it, it played out in front of some of the most prominent college basketball media members, that's why this has become a thing. And so I was sitting next to Mad Norlander and Andy Katz, and then I had the TV broadcast to my left, and we're along the right side. If you were watching the game, the Elite Eight game, uh, on TBS. It's off to your right-hand side, and if you look at highlights late, you can sort of see a guy in red a bit agitated, uh, and that's me. So what had happened is, uh, uh, with the media seating, you have two rows. You have a, a row along the the court side, and then you have a row right on top of that. I was court side off to the right-hand side, and everybody has their own Ethernet connection. Ethernet cord, you're hooked in, everything's good to go. With about 30 seconds left in the game, as Mike Forrest for FAU was about to shoot the first of what ended up being four free throws to lock the game up, uh, I got a text from my producer back in South Florida. Hey, you dropped. You dropped. Typically, fine. It's just something that glitches uh, with the piece of broadcast equipment that basically everybody uses now in 2023. It's just a quick uh, touch screen poke, and you're back on the air. But that didn't happen. And then I tried it again. Didn't happen. Tried it again. Didn't happen. Uh, realized that I actually had no Internet connection coming through this Ethernet cord into my piece of equipment. All right, no big deal. I'll just swap to another one. So Matt Norlander sitting to my right. I asked him, hey, can I use this real quick? I uh, said, yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, and so I plugged in, realized no Internet coming through that. Andy Katz, can I use yours? No Internet coming through that. So then I realized the entire row was uh, was bereft of, of Internet. So I'm saying to myself, this is a problem. Uh, I said a couple of words. I said a couple of words that uh, that wasn't going to be able to to, to show up in the show. And screw so, Houston has a problem. Saying, I've got a problem in New York City right now. Yeah. I was going to say, before Houston, you've got a problem. I had a, a significant problem, and it, some of it involved me feeling like I was going to vomit, too. It was uh, it, so, so I, I, I'm trying to figure out what to do. And, and you mentioned I've been doing this 17 years. I mean, it did cross my mind. Holy hell. I've been doing this for this long with a program that has been nothing for so long. Now they're at the possible peak of the sport, and I'm not going to be able to call the moment. And I, I called the studio. I'm on a cell phone. And what saved me was that Kansas State, after the second Mike Forrest free throw, was able to hit a layup. And Jerome Tang called a timeout. That gave me about 45 seconds to sort of settle in, and I looked up above me and realize, wait, there's that second row. I wonder if they are plugged into a separate modem or a separate Internet source. And the problem was the Ethernet cord wasn't long enough 
for me to pull down to where I was sitting. So while I've got my cell phone tucked to my ear with my headphones over the cell phone and my shoulders propping up the phone and everything's a disaster and I've got stuff flung all over the place, I'm ripping at this Ethernet cord to try and bring it off. It was taped down to the table. So I'm ripping at it, pulling at it. I finally pick up the piece of equipment. I plug it in. Sure enough, there's a connection. So uh, as the teams are coming back out of the timeout, I'm like, how do I make this work? One of my, my friends sitting next to me who works for TV in South Florida, I hand him the piece of broadcast equipment, put the headset back on. The producer is able to pop me back up, and I'm able to call the final two free throws and then the end of the game. So all in all, it was about three minutes I was off the air, but I actually only missed about 18 seconds of game time. Now you do it all over again, right? That is incredible. <laughs> yeah, oh minus the God. feeling of wanting to uh, to poop my pants. Yes, I would absolutely. <laughs> uh, I would absolutely do it all over again if it resulted in that. But that was um, that was that was close to me having one of the lowest moments of my career. Let me ask you know this this story of Florida. You know, we, we get a team like this virtually every year, and Florida Atlantic. You could say is this year's Cinderella. But then I look at it and I go, but are they? I mean, they were ranked most of the year. They won 30 games. I think they were on people's radar as being probably underseeded. Final four, okay, maybe not, granted. But all of that said, Ken, and Ken Lavica, again, who is the voice of Florida Atlantic, is our guest on the Payless Sickers Hotline. How was this particular roster assembled? You know, was this the kind of group that, like, you got two transfers and an NIL kid and a late bloomer, or is this strictly an organic program of a seed that was planted and watered each and every year, and it's gotten to this point now? It's actually been a combination of all of those things. And and you mentioned, hey, FAU, uh, is this a Cinderella story? And if you look at the basic metrics that are used to to eventually cobble together the, the brackets, I mean, FAU has been in the top 25 in net and in the top 30 in Ken Palm for pretty much the entirety of the season after they beat Florida earlier in the year. So anybody who follows the sport, and I'm not I'm – not calling anybody casuals. Anybody who follows the sport, though, and knows how the sport works knows that FAU has been a statistical darling the entire season. As far as the roster is concerned, this is a team that that has a number of three- and four-year guys uh, that are still super young, that have been able to come through the system. Elijah Martin, the second-leading scorer. Nellie Davis, the leading scorer. Those two are in their third year in the program. Mike Forrest is the lone player who loses his eligibility once whatever conclusion of the season comes uh, ends up uh, coming coming to be. Uh, Vlad Golden, this is his second year in an FAU uniform, the big 7-1 center. He was a transfer from Texas Tech. Jalen Gaffney off the bench. He's in his first year after transferring from UConn. So, again, it's a lot of homegrown guys, but it is bits and pieces that have been taken from other programs looking for a fresh start, B.J. Greenlee, this is his third year in the program. He is a Gainesville native, though, and had a relationship with Dusty May prior. He went to Minnesota, didn't work out, decided to try and reinvent himself at FAU. Florida Atlantic has played the transfer portal well. It's been a haven for some guys that maybe felt like they were underappreciated. They weren't being treated properly. They hadn't been recruited properly. Nick Boyd, the starting point guard, missed all the last year with a broken foot, so getting him back was sort of like grabbing someone off the portal, but 
this is a group that has been together for two or three years, the core of it, which is a rarity in college basketball, and certainly the way they play, whether it's the ball movement, Euro style on offense, or the switching on defense, all of that is aided by the fact that, yeah, these guys have known each other for quite some time. Again, Ken Levicka is with us. He is the voice of the Owls of Florida Atlantic. And, of course, their Indiana connections well-documented with Dusty May as their head coach and John L. Davis from Gary, Todd Abernathy, the local legend here, um, uh, one of their assistants as well. Ken, you, you've been at the at this job for 17 years. You know, as Jake said, I don't think it's maybe as much of a Cinderella in the fact that they've won 30-some games and all of that. It's more of a Cinderella, in my mind, of the history of the program. I mean, one NCAA tournament yeah. appearance before this run, as best you can, whether it's in your 17 years or even before you took this job. Hell, the program's only 34 years old, I think. Can you describe what Florida Atlantic basketball has been like for the last three decades? Uh, basically nothing has existed, but it really hasn't done much notable. And this is why it is one of the great stories in the history of the sport, because Florida Atlantic's lone NCAA tournament appearance was 2002. They won the Atlantic Sun that year, uh, fell to Alabama from that point. 2002 to 2018, when Dusty May took over the program, there were only two, count them, two winning seasons in program history, finishing above 500. One of those resulted in a regular season championship in the Sun Belt in 2011, but then FAU got knocked out in its very first game of that conference tournament, got blown out by Miami in the NIT. So there's been nothing of note to celebrate with FAU. A number of single win seasons in that time, it has been dark, and especially as Florida Atlantic football came to be, Howard Schnellenberger starting the program, Lane Kiffin coming, reinventing the program, FAU starting to win championships. Basketball absolutely became an afterthought, but Dusty May came in, and it's been above 500 every single year. It's been incremental progress, almost won 20 games a season ago, and now it has all evolved into to what it's become. But Florida Atlantic doesn't have great facilities or hasn't had great facilities. The, the arena is certainly aged. It's a 2,900-seat arena, which ultimately is fine, but it needs a facelift. It hasn't been touched in 20 years. It got a $7.5 million gift thrown at it earlier this year, which is a testament to Dusty May, and so that's absolutely going to help. So there's progress coming. But Dusty May, what he has done, taking on this this 30-year-old used car, and uh, he's been able to soup it up into something where at least people are going to turn their heads and look at it as it drives down the street, and now it is two wins away from a national championship. It's, it's, it's honestly... A a major miracle. Forget minor miracle. This thing's bordering on something out of uh, out of religion. Ken, <laughs> one of the great things I think that that for Florida Atlantic that is, and I know it's probably uncomfortable, maybe even uncouth in your position to bring up, but the reality is this. Whenever you have a team that's from outside of Power 5, that makes a deep run, that has a coach that, that even in appearance seems younger than he is, that coach becomes the hot name, and then all of a sudden, big time programs come luring. You know, Penn State's open. Texas is technically open, but I would think not for long. I don't know that Penn State necessarily is is where Dusty May is a Big Ten area guy. We know he's from Indiana, right? But I even look at like if Miami were to win it all, and Larinaga maybe was to retire and to go out on top even though he has time left on his contract maybe that's a possibility but 
it kind of feels like Florida Atlantic not only may have this run, but may able may be able to hold on to Dusty May. Am I overthinking it? You're not overthinking it, and trust me, I've 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 definitely sort of been running through scenarios in my mind a lot over the last I don't know actual two or three months because I mean this team's been rolling and Dusty even before this season I think was starting to become at least in in college basketball circles a bit of an attractive option because of what he had already accomplished and now that is sky high. But you're right. I mean, especially seeing that that Penn State it it seems like Mike Rhodes is a target uh and uh, now you've you've got texas that it seems like they're gonna as they should go with uh go with the interim man i just I, it's getting late in the process and you haven't heard a ton of dusty may connected to this job sort of uh, sort of discussion what the one thing that i'll say about dusty is that one he's an incredible human being and i know that everybody there uh college basketball fans in indiana proud of their hoosier and he has a lot of indiana pride but he is is extremely he, he has a great great sensibility to not distracting from the main purpose you guys saw rick patino every press conference he had near the end of the season with iona and then into the ncaa tournament it basically was him uh, putting himself out there, talking about his future. It was it, he was he was doing his own impromptu job interview every time he had a, a mic in front of him, and I thought that that was extremely off-putting. Dusty has not answered one question this year in any detail about his future. It's all been FAU focused, Florida Atlantic. We have goals, we have championships that we want to win. We know we can do big things. I think that's part of the reason that that you and I feel that way right now is because Dusty's given no indication that he wants to leave FAU. I'm under no illusion that Dusty is is going to stay at Florida Atlantic for the entirety of his career, but it sort of feels like because of the way Dusty May has conducted himself that he's not going to leave FAU after this season. If he does, great for him. He has earned it. If he does not, we're not surprised, though, because he hasn't tipped his hand at all. He's kept the main thing the main thing this entire year. Ken, I got one more, and thank you for the time this morning. I know it's going to be a crazy week for you, so really appreciate you hopping on. You know, when Butler made their run to the title game here in India in 2010, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say they were out west for each of their first four games. So we didn't really kind of get to feel that maybe here locally until the Final Four, and obviously it was through the roof. Can you describe, like, what Boca Raton is like right now? I've been there for an NFL owners meeting. I can't say I was thinking too much about a Florida Atlantic tournament run when I was there a few years ago, but um, I'm looking at pictures of the gym. You mentioned all the hype just with this season of winning 30 games. What is kind of the scene like when you guys have returned home each of the last couple weeks? So I'm going to describe this as someone who did grow up in the Midwest. I'm a Chicagoan. Uh, I, I have an aunt who I love dearly who lives just outside of Anderson, so I'm very familiar with the Indianapolis area. I love that. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it is. Uh, so it was very much a culture shock when I first, uh, 17 years ago, came down to uh, to South Florida. So if you love uh, high end dinners and you love uh, uh, Jamba Juice then Boca Raton is absolutely your place. If you love to do uh, some, some, some shopping outdoors, hey, Boca Raton is for you. Uh, if you want to retire to Boca Raton, there you go. I mean, so many communities you could move into. What I will say about Boca, because there is this perception that it's just where the olds go to live out their, their remaining years, um, 
it is getting younger and younger. And the FAU campus, when I came down, it was still referred to as a commuter campus. That's changed, and that hasn't been the case for about the last 12, 13 years. It is a certifiable big campus enrollment uh, right around 25, 26,000. So this is actually a big school in enrollment, um, but not so much in the athletics landscape. But Boca as a whole, yeah, it's pricey. It, there are definitely a, a lot of areas with it that are high end. There's a lot of golfing communities within this, but there's also become this subset community of young people, whether it be the college students at FAU or just young people in general who have started to find a little bit of their place within what was an aging Boca community. So it's young, it's fun, it's vibrant. You can certainly pick your fun. It's a, the campus is a mile and a half from the beach. Uh, you can see the ocean from my broadcast perch at the football stadium. So all things considered, is it your traditional college campus? And these guys were on Ohio State's campus a week and a half ago uh, for the first two games of this NCAA tournament. Is it that? No, absolutely not. But is it an outstanding place to be and live? And has this captured the imagination of this entire community where you've got to really sell them on a product before they commit to it? Yeah, they have. And I think that's as big a testament to their run as anything is that people in Boca, Palm Beach County, South Florida, even with Miami getting into the Final Four, they care now. They're invested, and that's a big, as big a win as anything. Well, the I can tell you the applications are going to go up about 30%. That's what yeah. always happens. Like Butler, oh. VCU, you know, all those schools, right? It puts a, Florida Gulf Coast, you know, all of a sudden kids know of it. And then they're like, man, that sounds like a cool place to go to school. And then they listen to Ken Levicka, and they're like, well, let me see. And then he sells them, and then now, boom, boom. boom. 50,000 kids applying. He's got me sold on the Jamba Juice. Are we taking that to Houston, <laughs> Hell Ken? Yeah. I'm telling you, the, the, the Apple and Greens uh, smoothie is legit, man. And one quick thing, since you mentioned Butler, uh, I'm a Valpo grad, and so oh. I want to remind Butler fans who won the Horizon League tournament that year uh, that Butler made the run. Look at okay. that. Well, at I, I, are you hoping Dusty May goes to Valpo? Valpo here? Where do your allegiances lie? Because, you know, Valpo's got a head coach opening. Valpo, yeah, Valpo does have an opening, I, but but I still owe them, like, parking tickets from when I, <laughs> money from when I was a student. So, uh, I have right now, I'm not feeling real warm towards Can them. The, the distance from Anderson, where your aunt lives, to the studio on Monument Circle, where we are right now, not very far, 45 minutes or so, about the same as it is from Boca Raton to Coral Gables, if there's ever a change in college basketball coaching I, I hate to be the reminder of that but yeah, you gotta but, wonder but keep in mind uh south florida traffic is absolutely terrible <laughs> no, I, I'm, yeah. down here it Justin ain't been for I get it. That. ken yeah. as cool calm and collected in the final minute there madison square garden as the owls have been so far from their opener now on the way to houston awesome call ken great work saturday night and we can't thank you enough for the time all right guys thanks for having me appreciate you all right welcome back nine o'clock hour Jake Ken Lavica, the energy from him, pretty darn good. We've been in those moments of, you know, connection kind of goes off air. Can you imagine being in that moment in Madison Square Garden? You've waited 17 uh, years to call an NCAA tournament game. That happens. I mean, I've been in not that level. But I mean, that'd be like you up there in turn times, three, Jake. No doubt. Lap I mean, 197. You're right. I mean, there have been... Yeah, I, from a broadcast standpoint, you never know when equipment's going to go south on you. And I can only imagine. I mean, you to your point, 
Most broadcasters will never get that opportunity, their team going to the Final Four. And I think that oftentimes when you hear the excitement and enthusiasm of a broadcaster, a lot of times it is the excitement and the enthusiasm for that broadcaster of, I get to keep doing this. We're, we're moving on. I, holy cow, I'm going to the Final Four. You know, it, I mean, that kind of thing. So it just – it that natural energy comes out. So to know for a split second that, wait a minute, that this may be it and, and nobody's going to hear me, I mean, kudos to him. For, yeah, I would be sweaty palms to say the least sure. in that moment. Bob Kravitz from The Athletic joins us now. His latest, why not Colts, Chris Ballard, Jim Ursay should take big swing for Lamar Jackson. Bob, you are all in on Lamar Jackson, correct? All in, baby. I have been for a while, and why I didn't write about it, I have no idea. But uh, I've been saying it uh, on on air uh, for for a couple of weeks, and you know, I just look at all these guys. There's there's no Andrew Luck in this group. You know, would you rather have a proven commodity who's just 26 years old and is 46 and 15 uh, in his career, or would you rather have Will Levis? who we don't know really anything about. So, uh, you know, the fact that they didn't move up in the draft uh, and may still get moved out, you know, somebody may jump them to third and and make them take the fourth uh, option. Why wouldn't you look at Lamar Jackson? Uh, maybe a smarter person than he, and there are plenty of those, uh, could explain why you wouldn't make a run at Lamar Jackson. So, Bob, I'm going to put it to you in the same terms that I asked Kevin this like an hour ago, okay? We're at the Final Four in college basketball. You have Connecticut, San Diego State, uh, Florida Atlantic, and Miami. You have four quarterbacks that I'm going to name for you in no particular order. Hennon Hooker of Tennessee, Anthony Richardson from Florida, Lamar Jackson, and Will Levis. Which of those four would you say, please align for me, the odds that they will be an Indianapolis Colt with the team in the Final Four in ranking of odds they'll win the national championship. <laughs> this is very complicated. I've only had one coffee, man. Well, I look, I, I think Levis is the most likely guy just because of where he's in. And if you're asking me most likely uh, in the NCAA, I, I like UConn. Okay. UConn looks like the best team to me. Um after that, I would say um, I don't think they're going to draft Anthony Richardson. I think he'd be the lowest uh, of the group. Having said that, they probably will. Um, uh, so is that is that Florida Atlantic to you? That'll be that'll be Florida Atlantic to me. Okay. Then uh, you know maybe Lamar would be Miami. Uh, and uh, San Diego State. Who is who is our fourth guy? Hendon Hooker. Uh, oh, Hendon Hooker. Yeah, yeah. That's th- there would be there would be uh, you know pitchforks and <laughs> it would get ugly down at West Fifty Six if they traded back or 
if they didn't take a quarterback in the first round well, and went with Hendon Hooker. Bob, can on. you imagine? Can you imagine if they traded no. back thinking they're going to get Hendon Hooker and then all of a sudden, you know, insert name of team that nobody expected swoops in, moves up, and takes him at 15 and the Colts are left in the cold? That, that would be right. ugly. Right. Oh, it would be awful. And, I mean, <clears throat> there's only so many years you can continue to kick the can down the road. This is it. No more messing around. And, you know, I look, I, I think it, it pays. If you're Chris Ballard and you get one of these rookies and they go Zach Wilson on you, you're out of a job. You know, if you, if you bring in Lamar Jackson, everybody expects him to play well. If he doesn't play well for some reason, is that is that on um, on the GM? I I don't know. I think that buys Ballard a little more time uh, on his. I mean, he's extended through twenty six, I believe. But if if I'm Ballard and I'm looking out for my own self, uh, uh, you know, my 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 own situation, I, I'm looking at I'm looking at Lamar Jackson. What what I don't understand, and I, I've been reading. The stories, you know, that Zach has written going to the quarterback uh, pro days. Colts don't. I mean, they got a scout there, but the 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 top guys aren't even there. I don't, I don't understand that. Yeah, I think go, going back to the Lamar, you know, Ballard job status. I mean, if you miss on Lamar, Ballard gets fired too. I mean, I, I think no matter what quarterback move you make, Ballard is going to be tied to that. I mean, he, he has to be. Uh, well, he, he is, but you, you have a much better chance of success with Lamar. Would, yeah, wouldn't you agree? Well, I, I guess the, the pushback I would have, and again, Bob Kravitz joins us here from The Athletic. His latest, he believes the Colts should pursue Lamar Jackson. My issue would be his durability, Bob, over the last two years. We're talking two lower body injuries in the month of December. So, you know, that's huge right. for how his game, his style is. Again, late in the season, that to me is saying wear and tear gets to him late in the year. And you pay him all that money up front and you're giving two first-round picks to Baltimore. That's where I get into the hesitancy stage. I know full well you've got hesitancy in drafting any sort of quarterback that just comes with right. the nature of a, of a rookie QB. But shelling out all of that for a guy that's had some injury history and you worry about his playing style as his career moves along, that's where I have concern. Yeah, I, I'm i not as concerned about the injuries. I mean, Joe Burrow missed, what, all the year or most of a year? Uh, his second year, maybe. Yeah, Torres ACL is a rookie, but you know Burrow. Burrow's much more of a pocket guy, Bob. I mean, right. Uh, for no, Lamar to be Lamar, that. he's got to be out in the open field making he's guys miss. He's got to run, and, and they they need it to the degree it's possible. They need to refine that to some degree. I mean, look at what look at what Sykin did with Jalen Hurts. I mean, took primarily a running quarterback and turned him into a hell of a passer. So, I mean, I still think there's room for Lamar to grow, and maybe maybe they were maybe they figure out a way to uh, minimize. Uh, the, you know how often he 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 gets hit. So I don't know. I, I just look at the history. I mean, you make good points, uh, but they're not as good as mine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Bob. Here's my thought on Lamar Jackson. Chris Ballard knows, to Kevin's point, that that a lot is going into this quarterback decision. Chris Ballard also knows that if you draft Will Levis or Anthony Richardson or Hendon Hooker. You are buying with it. It's like a buy one, get one free of a couple of extra years of patience from 
your fan base and maybe your owner to an extent. Every everyone knows that with a rookie quarterback, it takes a little bit of time. Everyone knows that, and and that you can't really even evaluate things until probably like. 18, 20, 25 games of the roster around them. You bring in Lamar Jackson, the clock starts right now. Let's go. And you have well, now shortened the amount of uh, of leash you get. Uh, maybe at the same time, if one of these rookies turns out to be Zach Wilson, and it's abundantly obvious after just a season or two that he ain't the right guy, um, then I think that that falls on Ballard as well. So I don't, I don't know. I mean – Look, if if it was my job and I had to uh, rely on one of these uh, aforementioned quarterbacks, I sure as hell would take my chances with Lamar Jackson. Again, forty six and fifteen hasn't been great in the playoffs. But then you look at Peyton Manning. Peyton didn't win his first playoff game till I believe his fourth or fifth game, and it was the sixth year before he won his first playoff game. It was against uh, Denver. I believe so. I don't know. I mean, it's a good point, but again, it's just not as good as mine. A <laughs> no, hey, stubborn Bob Kravitz with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline <laughs> on this Monday morning. Bob, shifting gears, we haven't really talked a lot about them, and I guess understandably, but there's two weeks to go in the Pacers season. Um, it looks like they are going to miss the playoffs. I would call this season about as close to a roaring success as they yeah. could have hoped for. How do you uh, view this year? This has been the least painful, uh, it wasn't a tank, certainly, but it, it was the least painful non-playoff season I can ever remember. You know, we, we all thought that there would be a lot of pain, that they would win 20-something games. No, I mean, they, they have had a good season given, uh, you know, the people that they have. Uh, a lot of the young guys have really developed. You know, I'm a little I'm a little scared with what's going on with Matherin right now. He's he's doesn't seem to have it right now. But you know, you look at him, you look at Nemhard. Uh, I think they've developed their young guys. We know they, they know what they've got with with Halliburton. Um, I just think they need to add a piece or two, and they're going to be a competitive team. In the, you know, in the lower part of the playoffs. But I'm at this point. You know, if you if you're anywhere close to sniffing the play-in game, a lot of guys have to come down with hamstring pulls. Yeah, Bob. You know, I mean, and, and we've already seen that. There was a lot of talk at the beginning of the year, first third of the season, of uh, Benedict Matherin being in the discussion for Rookie of the yeah. Year. Is it possible that he's not? the winner of the Pacers Rookie of the Year when considering totality of the season? Compared to what? Uh, to Nimhard. Uh, to Nemhard? Nah, I still, look, I mean, he's still averaging, what, 17 points a game? He's still, I mean, he's just, he, he's had a bad run lately. I don't know if he's hit the rookie wall or, you know, if Rick's screwing around with him too much. I, I have no idea. I, I have not been... Real, real close to that situation in the last couple of weeks, but no, I, look, I, I think Nemhard is going to be a hell of a player. Yeah, he's had it. I mean, he, my point being, Nemhard has had a really, and maybe it's just really based run. on the expectation of where they were drafted, right? But he's had yeah, a really nice exactly. year. I mean, this is a guy. Yeah, he got the the biggest guaranteed contract of any second rounder ever, and you you thought what? And <laughs> he's he's proven that uh, he's all that. I mean, he's he's a hell of a player. 
Again, Bob Kravitz with us from The Athletic. Bob, I know, you know, with The Athletic, it's much more of a national kind of audience that you're reaching out to. So if you haven't paid any attention to it, I totally get it. Um, have you followed at all the Flory Badunga kid at Kokomo um, who played in the state bit. finals with, with Ben Davis? A little bit. I, I, know, I know everybody and his mother was out there to see him. Yeah, I mean, that was a who's who in the front row. I guess that was kind of the other place I was going to go. Obviously, you saw all those names Saturday night with those coaches. Do you have a favorite NCAA tournament storyline? We know locally it's been a bit of a dud here, but with the Final Four coming up on Saturday, is there a storyline that's really kind of caught your eye? Yeah, yeah, Dusty May. You know, being an Eastern Green guy, you know, uh, you know and despite that, I still like him. Uh, JMB, right? Um, <laughs> Uh, and, and, you know, what's interesting to me, and I might reach out to these guys this week, is that three that, that, May makes three guys who were all in the same group of managers uh, at IU for Bob Knight who are all now D1 coaches. Well, one, one is an assistant coach at Duke. The other one is at UC Santa Barbara, Pasternak, and, and, uh, and Dusty May. That's amazing. That you got three guys from the same, uh, you know, class, as it were, uh, of Bob Knight uh, managers who have gone on to become D one coaches. That that's amazing. Well, hell, Lawrence Frank's got to be say, just yeah, five years ahead of him, right? Right, and, and you know, look at uh, our friend Ryan Carr. You know, who's done great. You know, really good things with uh, with the Pacers. So. Uh, you know that, that it's really become. You, you talk about coaches' trees. I mean, <laughs> I think these guys are part of the night tree to some degree. I mean, it certainly can't hurt that you watched and observed basketball practice every single day for four right, years, right? right? And and the way things are run. Um, and Dusty May, Bob, I was thinking about this, and, and Kevin and I were just talking about it. For Dusty May, the one thing that's going to be interesting. A lot of times, Dusty May would be the hottest name right now in college basketball coaching circles to take a a non-Power 5 to the Final Four within five or six years of getting there, except for there's no jobs open. I mean, Penn State, okay, but I feel like going from Florida Atlantic to Penn State is just going into a Power 5 where... It's you're a tough doomed. gamble, right? It is, you are, but at the you, same you, time... You're, you're really doomed there. I but mean, at they, Florida Atlantic, if you don't go back to deep tournament runs, then do you become Paul Hewitt? Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. You know, it's something... Uh, I'm kind of changing the subject on you a little bit, but it's interesting to me that when the NIL really came online, we thought that the rich would get richer and the poor would get poorer. And I realized that we're only a year or two into it. But look at this Final Four, you know, and the fact that Miami, with their sugar daddy, um, uh, Robert Ruiz, I think is his name, I mean, they've paid their way to the Final Four, and it's counterintuitive to those of us who kind of grew up with the goofy idea of uh, amateurism, which is obviously crap, but uh, it's strange that you go – into the final four and you've got this team that's bought and paid for and it doesn't feel good at the same time i'm happy for these kids people forget that both uh trace jackson davis and zach Eady both made about nine hundred thousand dollars this year from nil so um it's just been it's been strange that uh a team like miami 
you know, they go and spend the money on Wong and the uh, the other kid. And uh, and here they are in the final four, so it, it pays to pay. But I'll tell you, Bob, I, I can't be the only one in this thought. And I know that, that Purdue obviously was very good this year, and Indiana had a very good year. I, I turn on you know, Texas and Miami, or I watch Connecticut in the tournament and think to myself, this feels light years ahead of where Indiana and even Purdue, who was ranked number one more than anybody. It just right. feels like a style that is light years ahead of both schools. Guards, guards, guards. And you, you don't think Matt Painter made a run at Nigel Pack, the kid from Lawrence oh, yeah. uh, Central? Well, there so, goes your NIL thing there, right? Yep, exactly. You know, I mean, they uh, down in Miami, they got this Ruiz guy, and he was willing to pay. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know Purdue's NIL situation, but it clearly was not as lucrative for this young man. And I, I'm, I'm cool on these guys you know, making money. It's just, uh, you know, I'm just surprised that, you know, I, like I said, I, I thought the rich would get richer, but that hasn't been the case. Look at this final four. And maybe it's a one year anomaly. I don't know, but, uh, you've got teams in there that we never would have thought of. And I wonder how much NIL has uh, made an impact. Certainly, certainly for Miami. I don't know about the other teams in their situations. Again, Bob's latest, the Colts should pursue Lamar Jackson. Bob, good stuff in there. Appreciate the time, and uh, have a great week, man. All right, boys. Take care.